Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, what is up, people? You know that sound. It is our unfiltered band, episode number six, part two, our second top ten list. Sports Hills to die on. If you missed part one and started with part two, then there's something wrong with you. You're like my buddy. There's no way he's listening to this. We'll get on the show eventually. I had to like try and book him like 800 times. My guy Cliff Floyd, my former broadcast partner, who I, <laughs> if he did listen to this, or you can give him some crap on Twitter and tell him I told this story and why I bring this up, you know, unscripted because I just thought of it because I was talking about starting with part two and not listening to part one. So I worked with Cliff for a number of years. He's one of the funniest people I know. I covered him when he was with the Mets. And I still mess with him that like he used to sit down at his locker and he wouldn't stand up and talk to me. And like I, I, I never really thought it was just because he just like was tall and just was trying to be polite. He just wouldn't get his ass off the chair. <laughs> but he, he um he and I lived together for about a month as roommates, but it was like a house, just the two of us in Arizona for spring training. And most of the stuff I can't even say on air that went on in that place for that month. But I could tell you that I learned he's the only person I've ever met in my life. I made a joke with Dusty here in that episode about he's the only dude that, like, the last 20 years, he called me in a hotel room leave a voicemail. Let me tell you about my boy Cornelius Floyd. Cliff, and you can give him shit about this on Twitter, he just, like, He'd try and find something on TV. First of all, he'd be talking. This You never met a dude. Like, you ever play Madden with somebody who, like, I can't play with you because you talk so much crap? Like, he talks so much crap in Madden. It's like, thank God there's not really trash talking in baseball. He would have talked himself out of the league. Well, he's sitting wrapping his knees in Ben Gay because one of the stories that Will tell, and I'm laughing, is we would play basketball, like, almost every day on this trip, and we'd run with whoever was on the court. And for people who don't know me, they kind of, really get kind of get surprised by this, but I actually even played today and ran here. Like I, I play all the time and I'll just run with people and I feel like I got to like shoot around enough that they could watch and know I know how to hoop before they'll actually let me play. But Cliff and I played and we both have asthma and we would like have our inhalers like next to each other, like under the net, like the only two people, like how old are we? But we watch TV He's the only dude I ever met. Like, he never watched how, and I don't remember what shows it was, but like, I just give an example. This is so many years ago. But like, he, he like, he'd never watch House, let's say. And I like walk in, I get out of the shower, and I get dressed, and like, I go down before we're going to barbecue, and be like, what are you watching? And he's watching, like, let's say it was House, right? And I don't remember what show it was, but we're talking about like episodic, like, you know, long running, Dexter. I don't, I don't remember what it was, right? I mean, like, what are you watching House? And he'd be like episode three of season four. So I'd be like half an hour in thinking, like, I'd watch House. Be like, okay, this must be his show. He never watched the show. So when he, like, went to Netflix or wherever to, like, put on an episode, he didn't start with episode one of season one. He just jumping in. Like, you don't even know who these people are. Like, you don't even know the characters. Like, you put on Entourage, you start with episode five of season three. Who the hell does that? So if you start with part two instead of going to part one, what's wrong with you? This isn't the Tory. You don't have to go backwards. But I'm going to catch you people up if you were not privy 
to episode number one of the Sports Hills to Die On. Just to kind of recap again, Sports Hills to Die On, these are the, and this is a personal list, right? So you may not feel as strongly about some of these and have your own, but it depends who you are and where you're from and all that kind of stuff, right? Here's where we are so far, catching you up on the list, 10 through 6 on the countdown. Number 10, the NBA is your daddy. Number 9, cowboy fans are the worst. No. Egregious pause that follows. Cowboy fans are the worst. Let me repeat that. Number 9, they say you get a Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Candyman. I'm not saying that three times. Anywhere. This is like a mirror. I can see myself on the computer. I don't want that. Number 9, cowboy fans are the worst. Number 8, football's better than on TV. Number seven, the Stanley Cup playoffs are better than March Madness. Number six, hype kills. And now number five. These top five, I'm looking at the list now. All five of these I feel really strongly about. And we're going to have some fun conversation and get real spirited here. Like way more passionate than I did about six through ten. As I said at the outset of this, if you listen to part one, like one through seven, I was kind of sure. And number one, which we're getting to, I was positive where I was going. So you're going to really get some fire. But then I had like 30 others I could have used. Number five. The Baseball Hall of Fame gets it wrong. Number five, the Baseball Hall of Fame, Cooperstown, not the building itself. But all of it gets it wrong. I, I almost wanted to call this, I'm, I'm done with the hall monitors. You ever, like, remember in school, like, the hall monitors who, like, you know, you can't run the halls? I've had some long conversations on the air with guests. People who have listened to me, you know, and if you don't know who I am, welcome. You know, if you do, uh, I'm glad you're still here and you can tolerate me. It's fine. You hate me, you're listening. That's fine, too. Got voodoo dolls. It doesn't matter to me, right? Like, I remember... My agent saying to me a long time ago, right, like just as long as you get a reaction. When you get no reaction, that's what's bad, right, in this business. But the Baseball Hall of Fame has been the backdrop of probably the biggest arguments I've ever had on the air with guests. And I don't even know if it's close. Murray Chass rings a bell. If there's a way to get online and find the audio, which probably is somewhere that exists, you want to do that after this. I don't know how much of it is still posted, but we had to do two interviews because the first one was like, and I remember the producers getting mad, like, we can't keep him. Like, I was never going to break. Like, I was not going to go to break. We, 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 I yelled at him for like three segments in a row, and then he came back the next day. And I remember because I tweeted like the thing from Face Off with Nick Cage and John Travolta, but put me and his face on because it was going to be like part, speaking of part two. Like I, could, I wasn't done yet. <laughs> I, was, I was not done with him yet. Okay. After his blank ballot. I had a writer who is no longer with us, a late writer, who was a voter, explain to me on the air that he only voted for three or four people on the ballot per year because he didn't want the damn ceremony to be so long because you're out there in that heat on that lawn in Cooperstown. Now, I can tell you I haven't covered it. It's, it's kind of a shit show. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, it is it's so damn hot in July. Or is it the end of July, right? End of June? No, I think it's the end of July. It's so hot, or at least was. I did, like, nine years of it in a row, and it's like, I can't believe these people travel from as far as they do. Like, God bless these people. But, and then it'll rain, and it's just, it's too long. 
And that's when there's like four guys. But that can't be the reason of how you're voting for a Hall of Fame. But that was the way. Had a writer tell me he didn't vote for a guy who ended up not being a first ballot guy, not just because of this voter, but because of a few, a handful. But he's one of the handful. He didn't vote for him because he didn't think he tried hard enough. Like, how, who the hell are we to judge whether or not we think a guy tried hard enough? Like, it's like, you know, people watch Andrew Jones play in, like, center field, and they're like, ah, I don't think he cares. Why? Because it looks so damn easy, and everyone else is running hard. This guy's, like, floating in center field. Best defensive center fielder I've ever seen. Bar none is Andrew Jones. But it's like, you know, I, we, like, we make these determinations, right? Remember, Andrew Wiggins didn't have a motor. How's that motor now? All right? I want to start with the positive of the Hall of Fame. I've been to all the Hall of Fames, uh, except for hockey. Been to the other three. Many times. Uh, multiple for football, many times for basketball, many, many, many times for baseball. It's not even close. Like the All-Star game. Like in discussing it versus the Pro Bowl, the other All-Star games. Like you didn't have to improve MLB's All-Star game. We didn't have to make it count. Which if I was going to do a list of the dumbest things that have ever happened, that would be number one. It's so dumb that that ever had a count. I mean, it was stupid. It was already like, I mean, when they moved the Pro Bowl out of Hawaii, who the hell wants to go to Orlando anyway? No offense. It was like, what is the Pro Bowl is the only good thing about the Pro Bowl was that it was in Hawaii. That was it. Not even the players want to go in it now. <laughs> you know? Oh, I'm so glad we get to, like, you know, go to Epcot with the kids. Like, you can do that anyway when you get that kind of money anytime you want. Are you kidding me? And with the Fast Pass for everyone. The Hall of Fame in baseball is the best Hall of Fame by far, all right? The actual institution itself. You are talking about the top less than 1%, legitimately, that's what it is, the top less than 1% of all the players that have ever played in the league professionally, right? And how many are making it professionally that play baseball? Because here's the thing. Like, you can play basketball with your friends, Right, maybe playing a CYO or, or in some league, but if you're not like on a team in high school or school, it's kind of you just running games and hooping or whatever. Like football, you play flag football now. Baseball, it's like everyone and their mother play. Everybody playing little league. Everybody playing softball. Everybody, you're playing it like in a beer league. You're playing it with a company. You're doing it with anybody you could find. I remember playing stickball and using a, a, a piece of chalk. And making the X in the box and, and doing it with wiffle ball off the garage when I was a kid. My mother told me to get the hell in the house because they were sick of the, the tennis ball, the wiffle ball bouncing against the garage. Are you kidding me? Trying to hit that middle pole between the two garages and using it as a, as a, as a, a strike zone? Everybody playing baseball. You're, the percentage of people is, is like, a, it's like the minuscule of minuscule that even get to play in any kind minor leagues forget about the major leagues and then you get less than top one percent of that yeah that's why i like when when people say it's the hall of very good no it's not we all get it wrong with the hall of fame maybe we should change it to that we all get the baseball hall of fame wrong none of us understand it the hall of very good how is it the hall of very good well you ask people like uh well and you know i'll get to harold baines in a second because that's let me just say this about the Harold Baines thing. I always feel bad. One of the things about the Hall of Fame that sucks is when you have conversations about it, you're like you're you're talking down about somebody 
who like had a great career. Like how, like how many like Bernie Williams? I I love Bernie Williams. He was a great dude. Loves music. Right. He was an unbelievable player. Never gets enough credit. Like people are always like the core four and this that. Like Bernie Williams is a dude. Like he's a Yankee all timer for me for sure. But not a not a Hall of Famer for me. Not. Yankee Hall of Famer, all-time player, all-time postseason performer for sure, and he's not a Hall of Famer for me. But then you got to like have that conversation. Then you're like getting mad at a dude who like you love watching play. Like you know, I don't think I'm a Met fan. I don't think Keith Hernandez was a Hall of Famer. He's a Met Hall of Famer. He's the greatest defensive first baseman, maybe all time, certainly I've ever seen. But like then you're like talking down about somebody who like you you dig and you love watching play, right? And that's what sucks about it. Harold Baines is a great player. Great dude. Well-liked. Appreciated. Respected. You can't have a committee that gets that guy in because people like LaRusa, like Tony and, and others, it's like he's their guy. Like, how's George Steinbrenner not getting in the Hall of Fame? Like, how many committees do we have? I remember a conversation I had on the air with, with you know, Peter Gammons, and there are certain guys that, like, you just respect at a different level, and Peter's, Peter's one for me. And not just because he's one of the guys who has helped me pimp out prospects are cooler, probably better than anybody. I'll never forget when he pulled me aside on a field to tell me that he had to correct a GM who tried to use it without citing me. Not that it matters. And I do have trademark on it. So, but it wasn't, yeah, I mean, I'd say that laughing. I do. And I am wearing the shirt because it's going to be on this list. And you could buy the shirt that I'm wearing. And it's, it's not expensive at cottonbureau.com. Prospects are cool. Parades are cooler. Um, but. I love Peter. And I remember like bringing a conversation to him about George Steinbrenner on the air because I'm like, how is this guy not in the Hall of Fame? Like we've got all these like character clauses. Nobody knows what the character clause is. You know what's so funny about baseball and funny about the way that we handle all this you know, crap? And for those of you who are watching on video, I'm, I'm moving into the kitchen again because, of course, like, you know, you would think, like I was saying in one of the other podcast episodes, like I tell my five-year-old, like, you know, hey, if you got to pee, like go before. Like I didn't know to charge the computer before. What kind of an idiot am I? But regardless, we could walk around my apartment for you podcasters. So it's not going to matter. Um, so I remember saying to Peter, I'm like, you know, First of all, nobody even knows what the character clause is, right? That's, that's number one. And we'll get into that in a couple of other scenarios with the Hall of Fame in a second. But because nobody really, like, you can't recite it. It's not like the Pledge of Allegiance. Like, er oh, everybody knows that. You pledge allegiance to the flag. No. Like, I character clause. Like, nobody knows what any of that garbage is. Like, nobody has any idea. People cite it, though. Like, oh, no, the character clause is why we can't. Well, really? Even, like, voters. Like, you don't even know what the hell it is. You don't even know who wrote it or where it came from. How's George Steinbrenner not in the Hall of Fame? Look what this dude did. I mean, we think about all, like, the great, like, Cuban and, like, all these great Mark Cuban, like, all these owners that, like, they want to win. Yeah, it was nuts when I was a kid, and I used to laugh at, like, people in my family because they're all Yankee fans. Like, you'd open up, like, the New York Post, and there's, like, Steinbrenner writing a letter to the fans. I'm sorry we suck. As a player, I'd hate that. This dude, all he wanted to do was win, put his own money in. So these committees even get it wrong. But there's no hall of very good. What's the hall of very good? Because you're not Willie Mays or Ted Williams? That's how we say Well, Kirby Puckett is, like, is somebody that people bring up all the time to me, like in conversations. People be like, oh, well, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, like um, 
you know, Curry Puckett wasn't as good as everyone else, right? Or when Bruce Suter got in, or Brent Blylevin was on there for 14, 15 years. Like, I don't care how good the curveball is. He shouldn't be, you know, these are all, like, things I've heard. Like, why? The argument's always like, well, the Hall of Fame is supposed to be Sandy Koufax and Bob Gibson. Yeah, what, and three other dudes, and that's it? That you can't, you're allowed to have levels and tiers even in a Hall of Fame, but you're talking about tiers of the top 1% that have ever played the game. So now you're talking about the top level of the top 1%. They can't, and not everybody can, can, you know, I mean, come on. Not everybody's Ken Griffey Jr. Not everybody's Derek Jeter. I mean, well, Mike Messina can't be in the Hall of Fame because he wasn't Pedro. How many, like, you know, uh, Fred McGriff, who should be in the Hall of Fame, what, what's the biggest thing? Fred McGriff, everywhere he went, he won. Like, everywhere, he couldn't do that with his expansion team at Tampa Bay, and he, you know, he stopped short, like 500 homers now isn't that big a deal. Like, we don't look at it the same way. But at the time, I remember, and I was on air, like, people were like, oh, well, you know, he shouldn't stop at 494. Like, this dude, he's 30 and 100 every year and winning and playing good defense. Hello, Tom Amansky. Like, what are you, winning, what do you want the guy to do? Got one of the best nicknames ever. Top 10 nickname for sure, Crime Dog, for sure. And I'm down here in Atlanta. I don't have to tell people here about Fred McGriff. How's this guy not in the Hall of Fame? Well, he's too consistent, but he was he was never the best at his position. Well, you know, that's like, you know, look, you talk about Bagwell and people want to say, like, you know, well, maybe he was on steroids or whatever. If people can have those arguments, the argument, like, you know, he wasn't the best. When Albert Pujols is the first baseman in, in your league, you're not going to be the best, okay? Tim Raines is the greatest example of this. I love Rock Raines, okay? Great dude, first of all. But this guy should have been in the Hall of Fame, which we'll get into, on the first ballot. Like, how many questions, like, you get all these tests that we have in life, right? Why is it, like, you know, there's a yellow light to slow down, but usually green means go, red means stop, right? There's a yes or a no. Like, are you, do you take this man or woman to be your lawfully letter? You know, I do or I don't. Like, there's not maybe at that point at the altar Ask me in four years, maybe it'll change. It might go the other way, but at that point you have a one. You got, you got an answer. You got, you have to say something, right? Tim Raines was the best leadoff man in the National League for almost the entirety of his career. Before, by the way, then he goes to the American League, plays well with the Yankees, and is a key part of going to win a World Series, right? So here's a guy who is in the National League for the large portion of like the better parts of his career, right? And he's the best leadoff guy in the league. Unquestioned. Now, he's playing in Montreal, and this is before, like, 94. And, you know, this was not, you know, Pedro. But he's not Dennis Martinez or, you know, I don't know, Andre Dawson or wherever you, Gary Carter. But he next, or wherever you want to put him, he's the best leadoff man in the league. The problem is, the greatest, if there was another list, top 10 appointment views of my lifetime in sports like, guys, you had to watch play. Michael Jordan would be number one, for sure. Barry Sanders would probably be number... This actually... This, I, I'm going to watch... This is how unfiltered we get. I, I, love, I love the fact, like, the idea, when I came up with this idea for this podcast, of how I wanted to do this, and I'm grabbing paper, is, like, I just want to do it like me. I really... And I, I'm going to say this probably every episode and drive people crazy. I really don't care. Like, what I'm going ahead from the mic. You got silence for, like, three seconds. Hang on. So like, I really don't care. Like, I'm just going to be me. And, like, people don't like that. It's fine. 
Like, if my dog pees right now, I'm going to take you over and go clean it and explain how pissed off I am. Like, we are just so overly concerned. Everyone I know in my life, I mean this. Like, if I know you and I'm friends with you, I'm probably thinking this about you. Everyone I know in my life cares too much about what everybody else thinks. I hate when people think I do because I really don't. Like, it is the clearest way to know that you never have known me in my life if that's what you think. I have people in my life who knew me a long time who have had to say that to me, and it was like the biggest red flag ever of you have no idea who I am if that's what you think. I've had self-esteem issues in my life many times about weight and things like that. Like, who I am? Hell no. Ever. Literally. Never. Um, but I want to write this down because I, I love the idea of, of doing that, maybe for a later podcast, like top 10 appointment views, because I love that. Michael Jordan, Barry Sanders on that list for me. Ricky Henderson, right there. I mean, geez, we might as well just, might as well just do the episode now. Um, <laughs> wouldn't that be like the most me thing to just do? Well, let me break in. Instead of going to number four, here's a whole other list. Um, but yeah, like the game breaking, like anything that happens, you have to watch it. Like you just, you don't know what's coming next, right? I, by the way, this is how you know it's a good list. And this is why I love sports talk and doing what I've done for a living. Mike Tyson. Absolutely. I'm, I'm holding it because if I keep going, we'll do the whole list now. It's a great list. We're doing that. I'm going to do that. I may do that next week, even before the next episode. Like, it's a great one. So, point being, when you got Ricky Henderson in the other league, all right, and he's in the American League with the A's all that time, if you think back to the conversations about why Rock Reigns wasn't in, people weren't saying, like, this is how many steals he had or, you know, because he ended up winning at a high level and got to the playoffs and did all that stuff with the Yankees. He didn't have to deal with the Lee Smith thing, right, where he, like, never had a chance. It's like some guys you don't succeed when they get to the playoffs. Some guys, like, we kill him, like, he'd never been there. Like, I remember the late Roy Halladay. I was on the air at the time doing my show in the afternoon and watching his, I mean, just – destruction of the Reds and Brandon Phillips who BP had to bunt at the end of the game if there ever was the 27 Yankees wouldn't have hit the guy dot 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 that was him that was his first playoff game and if you remember there are people saying yeah I don't know how he's gonna be in the playoffs like we haven't seen him in that moment yet and there, look that may be that's real for some people you know the thing I hate is that we put them in that category we don't give him a, you have to give him a chance at least to fail right before we do that but Ricky Henderson is the best leadoff hitter that's ever lived. He's the, he is the, in, in the encyclopedia. And then we've seen some great ones, even in that heyday, like just before that, and even overlapping some with Ricky, you know, Willie Wilson with the Royals. You had a lot of guys in that time period in the 80s. <clears throat> there are no Ricky Henderson. You can't tell me Tim Raines <clears throat> can't be in the Hall of Fame because he's not. Ricky Henderson's one guy. Now, we don't look at leading off now the same way we used to, but it being a leadoff man is a thing, and it's a thing in the sport in all time, and you put the list of guys, Tim Raines right there. Like, in that era, he's two. Overall, he's in the top four or five. That's not good enough for you, and what the hell's wrong with you people? The Hall of Fame we get wrong in baseball for a lot of reasons. Most of them come down to... The whole monitor aspect of how it's handled. Because you got no players involved. Now, look, part of this, and I've talked to people over the years about this. Like, you know, the Hall of Famers that are current Hall of Famers, they don't want to do this. They don't want to, like, they don't want to start doing research. I've always said <clears throat> that it would be cool to have a percentage 
that are okay this could be a committee of like current hall of famers let's say like seven or eight of them like every year who like the year before they decide okay you're that guy i got the job maybe it's the same ones and they want it all the time they do care they care about the game like i'm I'm sorry i'm not buying you can't get me 10 guys like you got 500 and something voters right now right you can't tell me you can't like if you're it's not like you're doing it with 50,000 people. If you were asking 50,000 people, then I'm like, OK, like how many Hall of Famers I got to get to get a percentage in there? Like I get the problem, right? If you're doing it with 500 people and you already got dodos who give them blank ballots or putting out asinine you know, reasons that they have this guy and not that guy and all this garbage, you know, trying to you know, play policeman or woman for for whatever, then do 100. Right. And do 100, do 20 Hall of Famers, 20 writers, 20 broadcasters, 20, split it five ways, and let's go. For me, all right? But the idea that you don't have any broadcasters or current Hall of Famers that have a say, why? Why? I mean, peers are the ones who can best determine. I've talked to players on and off the air about other players, and they got totally different views of of players than, than, forget I have, than like any of us have watching it. But they're the ones who are there. Like, I'm sorry. <clears throat> like, I don't care what you do. If you do it, you know how many people I have, I've heard tell me, and I, I like, I laugh, right? Uh, everyone thinks I can do that, whatever that is. Like, literally. There are people who are like, oh, I can hit a fastball. No, you can't. Like, oh, yeah, as long as it just was like, you know, it wasn't like a cutter. You know, if you throw 97, I can hit it. No, you couldn't hit it, dude. Sorry, bro. No, you can't. Oh, I can do a four-hour radio show. No, you can't. Like, if you just don't do that, no, trust me, it's not that easy. Sometimes I can't. It's not that easy, right? Everybody thinks I could do that. I hate that about, like, life. Like, the way we are. Like, why do we have to, like, why can't it just be something? Like, it's hard. Like, that's how you respect things, right? But peers know peers. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. Like, there's nothing more respectful, like, for me, which is why I try and tell as many people in the business, like, nobody cares what I think, but, like, that I really care and admire the work that they do, tell them, because for me, when I hear that from other people, it's unbelievably humbling, who, like, know what we do, right? And not that it take away anything from fans or listeners. It's just different. So why wouldn't I want a player to tell me what players are great? I mentioned Andrew Jones. Like, the idea, like, I love the people who are like, I don't know if Yachty is a Hall of Famer. Really? Then you're a moron. Like, this dude should stroll in on a first ballot. Yachty or Molina is the best defensive catcher. First of all, like, you talk about Pudge. I remember Benito Santiago on his knees. When you talk about the, the, the aspects, and look, I didn't, I've, I've had great conversations with Johnny Bench. I did not get a chance to, and I've seen, you know, obviously plenty of his career, but afterwards, right? During my lifetime, during my lifetime, <clears throat> when you think about defensive catchers, and when I think about defensive catchers now, we think about, you know, the idea of, you know, pitch framing, <clears throat> right? Because it, it, Which is different, right? Is is different than it's ever been, and I, I get that. Like, it's it's a... It's a different animal in terms of the kind of things that we look for, and we've got a, a better handle on those kind of things. But when you think about defensive catchers, the part that we don't really ever think about 
is the mental side of it, right? Which is such a huge part. It's not just about blocking balls and working with pitchers and understanding. Like, I remember getting a chance in a good friend of mine work with Kevin Kennedy. For those of you on podcasts, sorry, I have a Gatorade. Um, getting a chance to work with Kevin Kennedy and talking about pitch sequencing. Because pitch sequencing is, is such <clears throat> a lost art that we don't understand the importance of. Like, in a lot of cases, right, the pitcher should probably know better. And I shouldn't at home, whether it's me or an eight-year-old, right? Like my son, I'm not saying he would you know, be there necessarily from a, uh, an instinctual standpoint yet. But if, if, I'm, if, if I'm sitting there and I'm watching a game and I watch a pitcher blow it by a dude, right, on the inside part of the plate with a heater, 95, 90, and because I'm not going to even go to like the stratosphere of, you know, like 100 plus, like 95, but dude's not catching up. It's 02, like easy, right? Why the hell are you throwing him a slider that's got coverage of a plate where he can extend his arms? And so why would you slow his bat down if he can't reach up to something? How the hell that makes sense to anyone? Doesn't, but it happens all the time. Make, it makes no sense to me. Why would you do that? Why? When a guy is a fastball hitter and that's all he can hit, right? Why are you throwing him a heater on the first pitch? Why is the guy at the plate taking it like an idiot? Like, what, do you want to go down 0-1? Like, you got to be ready, man. Ambush City. These are the great conversations about baseball that we love, right? Yadier Molina, the idea that people are like, no, he, he's, he's not a Hall of Famer yet because here's what his average is. He's one of the best clutch hitters, by the way, too in the game during his time. Like, we don't even understand. So I don't think a player should value. You won't find one player on this earth that doesn't think Yadier Molina is a Hall of Famer already. And I've talked to plenty of them. Go ask. It's just one example of the many. They're getting it right, people. Sorry. Now, a lot of the writers do. But the problem is, is that when you have blank ballots, which is, it's just, the ballot handling is where we make the biggest mistake with the Hall of Fame. All right, and I'll close with this on this part, with number five. I understand that you don't want to go years without somebody getting in the Hall of Fame. I get it. I get it. I understand that you want to try and maximize your ceremony and the, the debate and the year-to-year. And I do understand to an extent conversations change and we look at the game differently as years go on. But you got committees now that could fix that anyway. I got one ballot. I got one, a Y and an N, and that's all I got. Sorry, here are the names, yes or no, enter. That's all you should have. I'm, I don't care if <clears throat> it's the only reason we'd have a ceremony that's so long is either we should celebrate a great error and have it over three days. I don't care. The NFL draft is like eight weeks long now. Are we kidding? The other years, you don't have to kick. Jim Edmonds, to me, first of all, forced himself into plays he dove where Andrew Jones or Beltron or some of these guys are strolling under Mike Cameron. Like, you can't, I don't want to, like, too much diving. But not a Hall of Famer for me. But he was on the ballot once. Guy's career was way too good. Carlos Delgado, once. Career way too good. So those years, maybe we just have conversations about those guys and respect them and do whatever you want to do. I don't care. But the idea that we're sitting there and we're asking anything other than are you a Hall of Famer is dumb. You can only put 10. Why? 
If there's 13 guys who belong in, what the hell am I putting 10 for? Because you don't get screwed in those categories. Guys whose conversations we need to have, where the character clause thing and other stupidity gets in the way, like Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent, I have talked to an, a, like a large amount of his teammates over his career. Just to make sure I'm not crazy. To me, Jeff Kent is a Hall of Famer. He should have been the Hall of Famer from day one. If you, you didn't look at it that way during his career, I kind of understand that. But if you're, if you're not agreeing with me or thinking there's even a conversation, if you don't think there's a conversation, you're an idiot. Like, there has to be... The guy... At, because position has to be part of it. And as a second baseman, look what the guy did. The problem is... He was so unlikable that he got kicked off Survivor first, and I don't even think they knew who he was yet. He was in a spat with Barry Bonds, and people sided with Barry. That tells you all you need to know, right? But Jeff Kent should be in the Hall of Fame. Like, you didn't like him? You know how many teammates I've talked to, and, and I want to you know, finish off that point, that I've said. One of, his, one of his teammates that I talked to put it in the best manner. If you wanted to have a drink with a guy, right, and go grab a beer, he'd be the last guy that you'd pick on your team, maybe even in the league. If you wanted to drive in someone from second base, he'd be the first guy you pick, maybe not just even on your team, but in the whole league. And I, one of his teammates who's, who's won with him say that. But that's how everyone felt about him. The dude was automatic driving in runs and was great. I mean, are we crazy? But you got too many. You can't can't fit guys on the ballot. Chef gets screwed that way. Like you can't. You only got ten. Okay. Well, if you only have ten, how do you have zero or one when we got the kind of players we got on the list? Oh well, I've decided that this error was not looked at the way that we. It's it's not MLB. It's MIT. You got these highfalutin like hole monitors that are sitting there. Not everybody. You know, because I respect, look, I, I know most of these people, if not all of them, and I respect a lot of them, but some of it is, is goddamn, it's garbage. Sorry. Now, the argument that comes back the other way, and it's a fair one, admittedly, it is. It's a fair devil's advocate. I, I have a good friend who is a, a voter every year who I do respect a lot, who has always said to me on and off the air when I've gotten on this horse, you know, trying to pull me into the stable saying, dude, I get it, but it's only you need 75%, not 98%. Yeah, but I don't want a guy having 98% when he should have 100. How the hell Mike Schmidt get not 100? How Tom Seaver not get 100? Ricky Henderson, Tony Gwynn, I can go in front. How he's getting, you're not getting 100? No, I got no problem. Derek Jeter, Mariana Rivera. How he, but how are those guys not getting 100? Who thought Tony Gwynn wasn't a Hall of Famer? Are you kidding? Ricky. We can go on forever, all right? I want to talk about the steroid thing as part of this because I didn't want to make it two separate ones. The steroid situation in baseball was, look, it was terrible, right? It was bad. But people really don't understand. Now, now I don't know everything either. Clear, in general, please, I don't. But people don't really understand the fact that you could take steroids like, I'll tell you how much I know about this, which is not a lot. But here, here's like just relating it to something that maybe some of you had happen. All right? I'm going to do it that way. It is possible. Some of you were in this spot. The counter. Any of you ever take Ripple or like, you know, um, God, I'm trying to think of creatine, right? Any of you like during that day? 
that that it wasn't a day, but you know it was a hot minute. But you know what I'm saying. Any of you you get involved in that? Because and it was over the counter. People were like, you know, I got to want to go work out and I want energy. And it was like I it was like Popeye spinach. It was like I don't need Jordan's shoes anymore. I got Rip Fuel. I remember a day. Won't bring it up now, but with somebody I know who's now working in an agency that I that I was working with. And I was in the cubicle next to, working with Major League back at the time. And I thought he was going to die. And I thought I was going to climb the walls like Spider-Man. Like, because we were like, you know, for a workout, like trying to use like rip fuel, right? It doesn't make you do anything except, you know, feel odd, right? But maybe give you more energy. Steroids can absolutely, and where I think they don't get talked about enough, for guys like Ken Griffey Jr. not using them and giving the credit for not using them, all right? And the fact that, like, man, don't you wish that he wasn't injured all the time? And imagine if he wasn't, like if he hadn't used. But I know a ton of guys, ton of guys, who have told me off the air they used, you know, something. Because back in that day... Look, they were handing out greenies and punch like it was nothing. Like, like they would ever creel, ever clear, like in a punch in a frat house. It was like it was nothing. It was like two bottles. Which one bottle do you want? Okay, like fine. And amphetamines were everywhere. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't do it. Like, I didn't give it to them. It's not my fault. And it's not, it's not any one player or Bud Selig. Or, this is just the way it was, people, like in life. Okay, you think it was the only sport that was happening? It was not the only sport that was happening. It's not. But in baseball, it's like, okay, get the whole monitors out, and that's how you are, right? But when you think about it, I'm going to get more comfortable here. Oh, that's way better. So when you think about it, though, okay, like the idea that if you ever seen somebody use creatine, right, or like take steroids, and I've known people who like just normal people have done it, they get fat if they don't work out. <laughs> it's not like... It's like you just like take them and all of a sudden like, oh, we good now. Like, no, dude, like you look like you're wearing floaties on your arms. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's no good, right? I know dudes who took steroids who were like relievers in like the fifth and sixth inning when you're down by eight and then we're gone. I know a guy who hit like eight home runs in his career total. Didn't do nothing for him. The idea that we are thinking that that's how these players got great is dumb. That's first of all. Second of all, it was so rampant. Now, it's a, look, it's a terrible excuse, and I get that. Like, okay, so it was rampant, but that doesn't make it right. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Like, everybody who says, okay, just because everybody was doing it doesn't mean that I should do it right. I jumped the bridge and all that. Like, that's totally correct, all right? But it was everywhere, and it wasn't like it, it is looked at now. Like, nobody even understood what was going on. And then there were other guys who were clearly, like, in the league and whatnot, like, blind to it for sure, right? But here's the deal, people. If you don't think Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer, now, you may not want him in there, okay? And I, I get, like, I've, I've, I've had arguments, and who, who am I? I didn't play. I've had arguments with players, right, who have not wanted him in, and I get it because they couldn't get to such and such a level because guys before them were doing steroids who were taking up those spots. So now, like, I can't get one up and, and I'm kicked out of the league. Like, and I can't even understand. I could try and imagine, but I'm sure that would piss me off and, and make it different, right? But I have asked this question to 
almost every player I know, and not like writers I wouldn't that I've trusted I wouldn't ask to, but I've asked this, as I'm sure a lot of people covering the game have, to every player I, I know, right, who played in that era or since, the following question. Can you tell me the best players, the top three players, that you have ever seen on a field with you or against you, like on your team or that you played against, right? So that's how I, not on TV, like not you're playing now. Like that's, that's how I encapsulate, right, to, to get some common denominators. I'm telling you this. No, I have not asked everyone that's alive, but I know a lot of people, all right? I'm telling you legit honestly, not one person didn't say Barry Bonds, not one. There wasn't a single person. Number two and three and four, sometimes a mix. Most of the time I hear, most of the time, being fair, I hear Barry, Ken Griffey Jr., and A-Rod. That's most of the time what I hear in terms of talent level. Most of the time that's what I, I hear. Two and three and four, sometimes different guys are in there. Barry Bonds won. Like Pujols you'll hear, like here's a couple others. Like now you'll hear Trout, right? Or, or even the, you may even hear like Soto or Otani or Acuna or whatever. But... There's nobody that's not saying Bond's number one. That's all I need. <clears throat> was he guilty? He's guilty as sin. Was he likable? No, he was not. Do I care? No, I don't care. I'm not putting him in the hall of guys I want to hang out with or who I wish would date my daughter. Like, I'm putting him in the hall of fame. Dude's the best player of my lifetime. He is the most talented player of my lifetime. I went to watch him in 1992 when I was 14 go play up in Pittsburgh, right, at Three Rivers at the time. And it was a game against Tom Glavin started, actually, against the Braves. And this dude at the time had, like, I don't know, seven gold gloves in a row, was leading off, stealing bases. Like, you think I cared he was wearing, like, a gold necklace and, and was an asshole to reporters or whatever? Like, this dude's the best player that, that we've ever seen. He's a Hall of Famer. Get over it. Number 10, NBA is your daddy. Nine, and, and I went long with that. It's just so spirited, sorry. Nine, Cowboy fans are the worst. Eight, football's better on TV. Seven, Stanley Cup playoffs better than March Madness. Six, hype kills. Five, Baseball Hall of Fame gets it wrong. Four is, is a short one. It's high up on my list, but I don't need to necessarily expound on it that much anyway, so I'll save some time that way. Number four, you're not going to like me. Fans have gotten soft and entitled. Now, this is a generalization, and we should never do those. But here we go again. Fans have gotten soft and entitled. I pay their salaries. I don't, like, now I understand getting upset about the greed with the owners and the players during COVID. You don't pay their salaries. Like, you pay a lot for parking, all right? You pay the tickets. Now, there is, for sure, something within that, like, where you have a right to earn. And what you earn is they got to give you their best. Dude's loafing. Right? Or you go to a concert and he or she not giving you her all, don't remember the lyrics, get at it for sure. However, you're not paying their salaries. I don't want to hear that. Like, so I, I always laugh. It's like, are you, you don't really think that, do you? Like, you're not paying for their anything. They should care about you. You're the audience. But you don't pay for anything. The entitlement on social media with fans is disgusting. I mean, the idea that a fan... You can't go out and hit anything. What the hell are you telling a dude who went 0 for 8 that he should go F himself on Twitter? Like, are you crazy? First of all, 
It's easy to tweet from mom's basement. You would never say that shit to these players to their face ever. And you all say you would. You never would. You never would. You never would. And, and take it from me. I'm someone who, like, if I say something, I will say it to you. Like, But I would never say that because I know I would never. Because I wouldn't want to say that to them. What the hell? I don't know how to hit a baseball. Like, I, I what they're doing. Like, I, which is why it's tough sometimes being critical. I've had... I've had players pull me aside and be like, what's your deal? I've had that. I had a GM not happy with me about five years ago. I, I had to legitimately talk to for a couple, and we became friends over it, but like a couple hours and explain, like, this is why I was killing you, right? And it doesn't mean he agrees, but, like, you, that's what you got to do, right? If it heals to die, I mean, you can put it out there, that's the way it is. But, like, fans on Twitter, like, are you people crazy? Like, you got to have people deleting their own accounts. Like, we're booing dudes. Like, you're booing Kenley Jansen when he returns to the Dodgers. Like, are you an idiot? Do you know what this guy did for you? You're ticked off here in Atlanta that Freddie Freeman left when you didn't do anything to keep him, and you should have basically handed him the stadium and named it after him after what he was doing for you? Are you kidding? Fans are soft and entitled. I'll leave it at that. Just save time. It's number four. Now let's get to the good stuff. Number three, the title I gave to this one is great, I think. This isn't small wonder, and Johnny Five is a number. That also happens to sort of rhyme. Those are also references for anyone who's not my age. You're going to have to go look up, but it's fine. Go back to Wikipedia and hope that they did it correctly. Small Wonder was a TV show. Johnny Number Five is a reference to Ali Sheedy and company in Short Circuit. These are robots, people. I could have used Paulie if you would like as well. Or what was Screech's robot's name? It wasn't like Pete, Doug. I, I can't believe I'm forgetting it now from Saved by the Bell. These are robots. This isn't a game about robots. They're humans. And this ties into my number one. But it is separated for this reason. Analytics in the game, and this is specific to baseball, but it's across the board. Analytics in sports are great. Information is fantastic. Like, in no world should we be, no, I would like less information, please. But you don't want paralysis by analysis, right? Where you're so absolutely tied down to the, the, the numbers that are on the page that you forget that there's a humanity aspect to it as well, right? Example, war. What the hell is it good for? Okay, <laughs> should I just call this that? If there's one stat that drives me crazy in sports right now, it's war. I'm on the air a couple of years ago, and I got a, a, a dude yelling at me, and I, don't, I honestly don't remember the two players. I think, I think one was Miguel Cabrera. I don't remember the other. The other was clearly not as good a player. Somebody telling me, uh, this guy's war is that, and this guy's war is that, so he's a better player, and that's it. Well, we'd have no talk radio. It, thank God there are, not everybody believes that. Now, can war be a stat you can use? Yes. This is where people, like, they take the part of, like, oh, oh, he don't like stats. This dude's an idiot. Like, he's just an old head. No. Like, hey, look, I get it, but it's part of the equation. It's not the whole damn equation. You can't just tell me that because of war, like, it would be like saying, no, your height is this and your height is that, so you must be a better basketball player. No, that would be case where you probably are better than me, and the height may be part of it. But, like, that's not always that easy, right? It's just not. Not everything the same. 
I don't want to hear that because of one statistic you think someone's better, right? Usage ratings and bats. We've got all these different things. These are numbers that are important. They are absolutely important because, look, the way I look at it is we have reversed everything the wrong direction. Follow me. Nowadays, we look at the stat first, and 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 I'm glad that we have upgraded in, in the way we look at batting average and or used to, and now we're you know OPS. But we have to go overboard. The RBI is dumb. It doesn't mean anything. No, that's not true. It does mean you're gonna tell me it doesn't mean anything to knock in. Go tell a player who actually knows what the hell they're talking about because they played and we didn't. All right. Go tell them when there's a, you know I know a very famous player whose nickname used to maybe behind the scenes be man on second because he left everyone on second. It was the anti Jeff Kent I just brought up before. Go go tell a player it's not important to trust that somebody's going to go knock a dude in with third base with less than two outs because he knows how to get it in the air. I mentioned Yadier Molina before, right? Great example. A few years ago, the Cardinals are in the playoffs. They're playing the Braves in a five-game series. And here's Yadier Molina in a, in a game that the Braves should have won, all right? For all intents and purposes, and they lost the series, but they should have won it in game four, which is when this game was. And they're in the eighth inning, and, and they're – they're tied, and Yadier Molina, who had already tied the game with an RBI, I think the last time up, got up, and there was a runner at third with less than two out. He swung at a ball that was a fastball way up high. Like, if you go watch it, I think he hit it the other way, too. He was literally swinging entirely. It was a ball. He could have walked and, like, worried about his on-base percentage. But the dude had a drive and a run. It's a tie game in the eighth inning in the playoffs, a game four. You're about to go home. And he, he, he knew, hey, look— you shouldn't have thrown me a heater <clears throat> as long as I make good enough contact and don't pop it up. We're getting out in the air, and, and we got the lead, and that's what he did. There's no value in that? Of course there's value in that. If you don't think there's value in that, you're an idiot. But we have to go overboard. Now, RBIs are stupid. You're old. Like, no. Everything's gray area. And I've said that on this pod many times, but that's the case, right? So the statistics all matter. They're all part of the story. But what do I mean by we've gone backwards? Normally... Somebody tells you a story, right? And now you're looking for details. I'm going to go dig, right? Let me investigate how good is this guy or, or whatever the case is. Like, l- let, me, let me look to see. Like, you hand a resume to a company. Then they do a background check. They call you know, your former employer and, and you know, your you know, collaterals in terms of, like, people that you gave them on your emergency contact form or whatever. They're digging. They're digging. They're digging. You go on a first date. You really like them. I don't know if I want to marry them yet. I mean, I, you know, I mean, please, people are like, you love it for, it's like, what is this? This is not a John Hughes movie, even though I think I'm always living one. Anyone who knows me knows that. But then you're digging. You're like, okay, like, I'll find out more. I'll learn more. We'll find out. Sometimes it's like, okay, sometimes you got to live with someone to find out. It, no, it's not going to work, right? Other times it goes the other way. It's, it's even, it, the more you know, hello, NBC, but the more you dig in, the more you're going to find out. We go backwards. We take a number, and that's the end. There's no conversation. There's no debate. There's no learning. There's nothing. I, oh, war is here. His war is there. Their war is over here. War is everywhere. Well, you're an idiot. Sorry. Like, are you crazy? Like, we, I can't have a job in this business. No one can. We won't have any talk radio if we can't talk. It's not all a number. We are not robots. We're humans. Because here's the other part. When you draft, right? We, we're in a month with, you got a lot of drafts going on right now, right? NBA, baseball, right? Hello. You said the NFL draft recently. Like, you ask anybody who's a, like a scout or a GM, 
They got 10 guys. They all got plus stuff. Go ask anybody covering. They all got plus this. They got a plus fastball. I got a plus this. I got a plus that. But you know what the difference is? The character, the human. Can I trust that guy to get the out? Adam Wainwright, great example. Love this dude, okay? Adam Wainwright is one of these guys you watch over the years. He could be like 110 pitches. And you know in that sixth or seventh inning, he... Like, remember when Peyton Manning, I think it was Tony Dungy, there's that famous thing where he looked to the sideline and basically was like, you know, like looking over to Tony, like, if you even think we're punting, like, you better send that kicker back and don't even do this ever again, <clears throat> right? Because, you know, the thing that the Seahawks should have done when Daryl Bevel said, hey, Marshawn Lynch is averaging seven yards a carry. Let's throw it. Are you kidding me? If there ever was a, like, no, we're going to do our own thing in the huddle, like, we ain't going to take it anymore, that's when you do it. Like, no, that dude's nuts. We're running. Sorry. Are you, are you kidding me? That was like from beast mode to least mode in terms of coaching. It was it Malcolm Butler, right? To, to basically hand a Super Bowl. That's all we need. More Brady's. So when you're thinking about this situation with humans, you got 10 guys that all got the same talent. What's the difference? It's the guy who's a winner. Think about the NBA right now, all right? One thing that I've learned in talking to a lot of players over the years, it makes a lot of sense. It's something that a lot of us think about and talk about, but I will tell you, like, in just being lucky enough to have conversations with NBA players about and with players in general about, but I think more because it's a team game in terms of needing each other on the floor, more an NBA thing than a baseball thing in terms of statistically and in general. But when you get drafted to a crappy team in the league, when we're talking about basketball, they're probably crappy culture. You probably got, like, too many coaches. Your coach gets fired in, like, the fourth day of the year. Then you got a new coach. Now you got a new system. Now you got a new this. Now the new GM. Now you got a new name. I mean, now you may move. I mean, that's what, this is what's happened, right? Kevin Durant came in the league. He found out, and by the way, Seattle's an unbelievable sports town and a great basketball city. Like, the fact they don't have a, a basketball team there is a joke, okay? But you're there... And you're like, wait, where are we going? And nothing against OKC, but you don't even, like, what are we doing now? But that dude's a winner. Look what the first year he had. Look how he continued to grow. That's, that's who he's going to be. Devin Booker. Now, I'm not trying to get on Josh Jackson, who I really liked in college, and was the number third, I think, three overall pick, right? Went to Phoenix. There are guys who, like, you feel bad, and, and I'm not blaming him because I do feel bad for him, like, how can you succeed if the culture is garbage? In the NBA, is the hardest. Like, in the NFL, even it's like the quarterback, like, okay, Tom Brady's good enough. He'll, ma he'll make a David Patton, a Deion Branch, or whoever, who were just guys until they were his receivers. Sorry, right? You can't do that. Like, in baseball, like, okay, I wish we had pitching, and I wish we had a better team, and even Otani's not enough for me, but I'm Mike Trout. I just could do Mike Trout things and win the MVP. Like, you can't do that when your culture's garbage, and, you know, basically everything's a pile of shit like that you're living in, right, in terms of, like, going to a terrible NBA team. It's not going to be any good. You can't change that on your own. But look at Devin Booker, how he got better, worked his ass off every single year, and is a winner. And now you see why when he gets help, why he's winning. But he survived all that. That's the human. Now, I understand the kind of shooter he is, but even if you lined up five others who could shoot like that, he's going to be the exception. Because that's his motor internally to win. That's his desire.
This isn't small wonder. Johnny number five is a number. Hey, it rhymes. Number 10, NBA's your daddy. Number nine, <laughs> cowboy fans. Cowboy fans are the worst. Number eight, football's better on TV. Number seven, the Stanley Cup playoffs are your madness. Number six, hype kills. Number five, baseball Hall of Fame gets it wrong. Number four, fans have gotten soft and entitled. Number three, this is not small wonder, and it's not Johnny number five. And now to number two, before I surprise you with number one, maybe surprise you. Let me, let me, uh, you have silence here for a second. Um, it's not a moment of silence, but just to, to show the podcast viewer something. Hold on one second. I'm wearing the Prospects or Cool Parades or Cooler shirt. There's also hoodies and sweatshirts and stuff that you can get at CottonBureau.com. Because number two, again, these are personal things. Prospects are cool, parades are cooler. And I really was looking forward to talking about this. And this is not, you know, I'd make fun of myself if you know me at all. Like, this is really not to self-promote. That's why I make the joke about the T-shirt because it's really not. Um, It's because I was looking forward to, like, expounding on this because I never really talk about this. And of all the things, as I said in the first episode of the pod, like in the first part of this two-parter, of all the things I've said, like randomly, this is like some important thing. It's, it's become, look, I'm not saying it's like enormous, but for people who don't know, like, and it's, I'm laughing at myself. Please understand, because I'm going to tell this story and explain why I think it's so important, what I was trying to say when I said this for the first time, okay? And it's unbelievably humbling anybody would remember anything I say. But... When the women's soccer team won gold, I think it was, in the Olympics, it was on their float. It was on their float. They changed it up and, and, you know, I don't remember what it said, and parades are cooler, but it was clearly copying, right? There was a, um, an equal rights parade that had it. There was... I've, I've seen it posted on, like, a Senate site. Like, people have used it for, like, all these different things. I don't think they have any idea where it came from, right? And, it, and I hear it on broadcast sometimes. And honestly, I, I mean this. I'm not too – like, it's, it's unbelievably humbling that, like, I don't even care if they know that I said it or not. But I want to explain it because people get mad at it. And I get it. Like, I always got these people who, like, treat me to, like, nah, bro, like, you know, you, 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 like, um, you think we wouldn't want Mike Trout? Like, nobody said to trade Mike Trout. Here's the point of this and what aggravates me about this whole thing with these prospects, all right? We have, like, lost our minds. And I mean, like, we have completely gone batshit insane in this world with being obsessed with prospects, all right? Give me an example. And I want to say it was two years ago, all right? For those of you watching and not listening, I'm walking again, sorry. I keep, like, my back has been... I have a... I have a bad back. Like, what am I complaining to you? But I do. Uh, I threw my back out. I was actually in the Mayo Clinic about 10 years ago. And my back has recently been, because I've been playing a lot of basketball, acting up pretty terribly. So I can't sit still literally for like more than 15 minutes. So that's why I'm standing. Um, send me, send me Vicodin. No. Um, so what was my, oh, I know what my point was. Okay. So, like, literally a couple of years ago, and this is a great example of this, and I'll get back to kind of how this started. To give you one example of, like, how we have lost our freaking minds with this thing, with prospects. Gavin Lux, good player, really good player, right, with the Dodgers, really good player. And, and by the way, all these things are easier in hindsight. Like, somebody's going to be like, when I bring up Lindor in a second, somebody's going to say, oh, did you see how he performed last year? He's hitting 250 or whatever the garbage they're going to tell me, right? By the way, although he's, like, I think fourth in ribbies in the league. 
somebody's going to give me some some nonsense. But this is a really good example of how we have lost our minds. Because I remember Spilly, Ryan Spielberg and I, who were working together at the time, were losing our minds about what I'm about to say. And there were people, and I, I can't remember, I think, I think JP, John Morosi, who I love, was one. There were people, like, even in the business who I know, who, like, were hopping on defending the other side, or that, like, here's why it's not crazy. And I'm like, no, you're crazy, okay? We've all lost our mind. But there was some fan, like, it was just a caller, right, who was telling me that they didn't want to trade... Gavin Lux for Frankie Lindor, who had two years left on his contract, if it was a one-on-one deal. And I don't even know that you could have gotten that at the time. And this is when Lindor was, he just come off hitting 40 homers. Like, I don't think, and was like a stud stud, right? Nobody even knew there would be any issues. And he hadn't been in New York yet. I don't want to hear it, right? And it wasn't New York, it was LA, so forget all that. Don't give me Lindor's first year. But he didn't want to trade Gavin Lux, which if you think about the, idea in baseball of control that is basically saying i don't want to trade six years of gavin lux for two years of francisco lindor and i said to the guy you're an idiot everything is not in a bubble you have to think about it so let's think about why that's drives me crazy okay Number one, you're the Dodgers. You can afford to buy anything and anyone at any point you can. You could uh, trade Gavin Lux for 800 other luxury items anytime you want. You you just got Freddie Freeman. I mean, let's sign Aaron Judge. They could do whatever they want. They got tons of money. You don't have to think about things that way when you're the Dodgers. Who cares? You're infield. At the time, and Trey Turner wasn't there yet either, remember, like, are you kidding me? You don't put Lindor at your... What? <clears throat> and Seager was hurt at the time, by the way, which is why Lux was even being mentioned because he had been up there when Corey was down. And Lindor was unequivocally at the time the best shortstop in the sport. Like now you could debate about a diff- few different guys. He, Gold Glover, he was the best hitter. He was, he was, I mean, he was, he was literally, it was, it was the height of, of Francisco Lindor. They had just been in the World Series a couple years before. He was a stud there. Like, this, this represented country. He was hitting home runs in WBC. There's nothing he couldn't do, okay? There's nothing he couldn't do. You're an idiot if you've never seen Gavin Lux even play yet. We don't even know who he is. And you're not, because you could then try and push yourselves. At the time, the Dodgers hadn't won a World Series. They were chasing it, but they'd won all those division titles. When you are in that spot, you got to push the pedal. You can't stay at the five-yard line. You can't be at the one and be Marshawn Lynch and throw in. You gotta get in. Well, if you gotta get in and you gotta push that pedal, I can't think about what the hell is gonna happen to me in three years. I gotta think about the next six months. I feel like in a few good men. It's a hockey season, Harold. I mean, come on. I, I gotta have Lindor. When the prospects are cooler thing happened, prospects are cool, parades are cool, right? When that happened, the truth for those who don't know. He was actually in a conversation many years ago about Julio Urias when we had never seen him before and Cole Hamels. This is what it was about. It was the year when Cole Hamels ends up getting traded to Texas instead at the deadline. And he wins not only a bunch of games, but the division clinching game. I think Keuchel pitched it on the other side. And gets him in a playoff run, all right? That was the year we're discussing. It was a rental. And I don't even remember. I don't even remember. Do you? I don't even remember what he's traded for. 
somebody in Philly. I don't even remember, all right? The idea at the time, and you never know because a lot of these things are like rumors like, oh, this is what the trade deal was. And like, you know, okay, we don't know that that was the real offer anyway, right? But the idea that was the prevailing thought out there was that the offer was that you could get Howells as a rental for Julio Urias, who I think was like 18 at the time, 19. We didn't even see him at all till the next year. And then when we saw him the next year, he was so limited in the playoffs that he couldn't go an inning that after in the World Series, Maeda had gone, like, I didn't even know. I think he struck out five guys in a row. I think it was the one against Houston. And this is where they refused to put Bueller or Urias in that last game, and they went home. The game Jock Peterson ended up hitting, uh, not Jock Peterson, Kiki Hernandez hit third, and Cody Bellinger, thank you, Dodger management, not Dave Roberts, wasn't in the game. All right? Now, yes, five years later, Five years later, Julio Urias pitched three brilliant innings to help send him win him a World Series. Five years later, now I'm not saying it's not worth it, but who the hell knew what was going to happen in five years? And that's not why Darvish was on the hill and then shouldn't have been, or a million other things that happened with that team, right? Like, and what the Astros did, what if they didn't? And, like, what if Kike wasn't? What if Bellinger what, what Like, you know, Yasiel, there were, like, a million things that had happened. Like, it wasn't just, well, you know, Urias was not there. No. He didn't even do anything, really, for four years. We saw the guy in, like, spurts of, like, three minutes at a time. And I don't know what Hamels would have done, but I will tell you about what the situation was at the time, which is why it drove me nuts. And this was the conversation. It was, like, a one-hour chat. But I had gone into a rant in the middle of it, and that's when I, I literally, it just came out. It just popped in there, Ray. Like, the quote, Ghostbusters, prospects are cool, parades are cooler. This is when it was. Because I was yelling at a fan. Like, I don't care how good he's going to be. He, he's never going to, by the way, Julio Urias ain't Cole Hamels. He's not. Cole Hamels is a Cy Young Award winner. Didn't he win a Cy Young? He won five games in a playoff run with Philly. When they won a World Series, it was a dude, dude. Now, Julio Urias, fantastic. We, we see what's building, and he's younger. But the point at the time, and this is what I hate about the way people have looked at this, right? And why I'm so on this hill with prospects, because I want to explain what I mean by this, right? I want to go back to that trade, and I'm going to sell it on. I'm going to sell it to you again, right? Because I want you to look at what Hamels did the rest of that year. I'm going to sell it to you again. Years later, even after what Urias did, all right? That year, Zach Greinke and Clayton Kershaw were the one-two. This is the year they played the Mets. So it's 20, what is it, 2015, right? Where the Mets played the Cubs. This, this is that year, all right? They played the Mets in the first round, and DeGrom ends up winning game five in that series, if you recall. They had Greinke, who was going to be a free agent at the end of the year, and he left. And they had Clayton Kershaw at, like, the height of, I mean, he was Clayton Kershaw, Kershaw, right? My thought at the time was, if you put another lefty, if you put Cole Hamels out there, and you put Granky between them, there ain't nobody beating them. I still am convinced, now I'm not dying on this hill, because who knows what would have happened, right? How did the Mets beat the Cubs pitching, right? Were the Royals that good? I love Ned. I love that team. They were a better team than they were individual pieces, right? Okay? They were a better team, but it was a really tough lineup because they made a lot of contact to get, to get through, right? They also had really tough left-handed hitters like Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakis at the time who were huge parts of that team. Follow? If I got Cole Hamels at that level, I mean, he wasn't, 
at the peak peak, but he's still a really good version, a healthy version of Cole Hamels. A one. As my three, and I got Greinke in the middle, and I got those two lefties, I'm beating the Mets and the Cubs and the Royals. I still with, I'm sticking with that now. I'm sticking with it, and I'm a Met guy. I'm sticking with it now. They beat all three of those teams. Sticking with it now. Daniel Murphy, remember him? He had pretty good. Now, by the way, and he hit Kershaw well. But, like, left-handed hit, like, you know, you can't hit left-handed pitching at all. you got a big problem. you will be real tough to hit those two lefties with Greinke in the middle. Go have a nice day. Really difficult, all right? That was my point. It was like, I got to think about now. Like, I got to try and win. I got Kershaw and Greinke. If you can push the pedal down and win, you have to try. In life, and I have screwed up a million things in my life, I promise you. <laughs> like, a million things. And I have a lot of regrets. But I also, I swear to you, the one category I don't regret at all is when I've pushed. Ever. Like, ever. I go for it. Like, that's how I live my life. Because there is nothing worse. You can go and push your body to the limit, yourself to a limit, and it not be enough. You know, maybe it's not your time, not your, not your thing, not your year, not your person. Like, whatever it is, right? But there ain't nothing worse in life. There is nothing worse than I didn't do enough and thinking that in your own head. It is the, you can't get out of your own head. I can't. Like, the, the hardest times I've had in my life is when that's the question i got to ask myself. Then I hate myself. And then i then I got a bigger problem. I'd rather just, it didn't work. Okay? I, but i got to try. That's why I'm swinging 3-0. and I'm not taking 3-0. and You take 3-0. and Are you kidding me? That's horse shit. Sorry. I'm swinging. That's who I am. So if I'm the Dodgers in that spot, I'm swinging. If I'm the Pirates with Andrew McCutcheon, same time period, and this is when this all came about. If I'm Andrew McCutcheon and I'm winning MVPs, I'm an MVP candidate, I'm Clint Hurdle with a Pirates team that won 95-plus games twice, one time in a wild card have the Jake Arrieta literally laugh at them and say, good luck, you can't hit me, and then like two hit him. The other day, Bumgarner sent him home in a wild card game. Did that to my Mets, too. Cole Gillespie with the big hit, of all people. Got three hit. I'm thinking, okay, well, a wild card game, I go home in a day. If I would have won the division, one of those years, the Cubs won the World Series. The, the difference is two wins, I think, in the division. That's it. That's how good the Pirates were. Good. Like, damn good. They were right there. They were there. Remember the Shark Tank and the bullpen? How's that in a playoff series? Like, you, if you actually had a series, not a game. Melanson and uh, Jason Grilly and uh, Tony Watson, right? Like, you never got to see that. Why? Because the year that, to me, they had their best shot, David Price and John Lester were both rentals. Price went to the Jays and I think was like 9-0 and with an ERA of like point something. Now, they didn't end up going the whole distance, but he was brilliant, okay? He was fantastic. Lester was a whole nother situation where you know, he gets traded and ends up, which was just weird, blowing a lead in the seventh inning and watching Terrence Gore run around the bases with an A's team that was 30 games over before they traded Cespedes for him in August. But if the Pirates get David Price or they get John Lester, where do they go? They might not end up having to face Arietta or Bumgarner. 
They might have won the World Series, and at least it would be like, hey, being a Pirate fan sucks so bad. Thank God for the Penguins and for Ben Roethlisberger and Tomlin and the Steelers. But, hey, remember that championship run? You don't have that. The Royals fan has that. They may stick up the joint forever. That five-year span Dayton Moore and company gave them, they ain't taking that back, but they got the World Series too. And, by the way, they could have won twice. If not for Madison Bumgarner, they would have won twice. The Pirates were the Royals, but the Royals went and got Ben Zobris. The Royals went and paid an obscene amount of money for Kendrys Morales and, and Rios even trying that. The Royals went out and added Ensign Volquez. The Royals went out and made those moves they had to make. The Pirates did jack and what comes with it, and that's where they went, where the pigs are hanging out, in the shit. They, did, they got nothing, and then they're gone. That's why. That's when. It's not always. not every prospect you should ever trade. My God, I wish I could go back as a Met fan in their history because they all were garbage, most of them, and trade them all. Prospects are cool. Parades are cooler is number two. So it's on the list. And by the way, Cotton, where you can get your shirts and your hoodies. All right, so now I'm going to sit back down because I'm excited about number one. So let me give you the list. Number 10, going back to the back end. Number 10, NBA is your daddy. Number nine, <laughs> Cowboy fans are the worst. Number eight, football is better on TV. Number seven, Stanley Cup playoffs, better than March Madness. Number six, hype kills. Number five, Baseball Hall of Fame gets it wrong. Number four, fans, you've gone soft and entitled. Number three, <laughs> this isn't small wonder or Johnny Five's just a number. Number two, prospects are, uh, are cool. Parades are cooler. I'm going to share something quick with you. I did think about... Sometimes you tell a joke that's like would be funny, and then like, you've, like I'm mad at myself. Like I should have done this because it would have been funny. And then I was like, even this is overkill for me. I'm going to tell you what number... This is not number one. Number one's real. But when I was putting this list together, I did think about it first. Doing nine like real ones, and then making number one Angel Hernandez just to do it. <laughs> just, I didn't. I didn't. Number one. The sports hill I die on more than any other hill I could die on. And I'll give you 10 minutes on it. I can give you 10 hours. Chemistry is everything. There's no joke. There's no punchline. Chemistry is everything. In life, in sports, chemistry is everything. I mean, literally, even even the even the 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 unfiltered band wants to play. Chemistry is everything. Do you hear me, people? Everything. You want to win in life or in sports? Chemistry is everything. Literally. That's number one. And I said it kind of ties into number three in terms of human element, but I really want to talk about this, okay? This is, this is so super important to me and, and needs to be said by someone. Way more important than me, but needs to be said. The idea that when we talk about greatness now and great players, I remember watching a segment, and I'm not trying to get on MLB Network, I won't even say who was talking about it, but I was watching a segment a few years ago. This is true. And <clears throat> the host, 
they were talking about MVP candidates. This is a true story. I talked about this on the air that day. And I don't even remember who the candidates were. I think Freddie Freeman was one. This was not the year he won. But they were talking about MVP candidates. And one of the players, it was a host and it was three players. One of the players that was on set had somebody in their top three that the other, that the host didn't have. And when it was discussing the reasons of it, was discussing how they make everyone better on the team and the kind of things that they do on the field and off the field. So some recognizable and some even not, right? To, to Yadier Molina, I talked about before, it wasn't him. But, you know, those kind of, Freddie Freeman, who would be a guy in this category, a guy who goes to the post every day, was a leader, right, all that. And the host ripped him, like made fun of the guy. I talked about it on the air that day, I remember. Like was ripping the dude. That it was asinine to be thinking that in an MVP, where again, let's remember what MVP stands for. Most valuable. So what is valuable to me for a player to do to succeed in this league, right? That it was ridiculous to think about what a guy is doing in a clubhouse if we're thinking about a most valuable player. We have gone to a point, and it's, a, it, it's an expansion of number three to an extent in this part, but we have gone to a point where we have completely lost our minds with the idea that we don't think humans have anything to do with this. The baseball season is 162 games. These people get 18. They get 18 days off, all right? 18 days, and I'm so sorry because we are so unfiltered, and I'm having fun, and we'll close this thing out you know, in the next few minutes. But for those of you who are watching on video, watching me move around, literally my back is messed up. So I apologize. Um, any chiropractor offers in the Atlanta area, you can call me. Um, my back is toast. So I'm, I'm way too old. Like I ran around the other day. I played like two and a half hours legitimately in like 97 like degree heat. And I was twice the age of everyone else on the court. And we were just running fives for like two and a half hours. And I, I yeah, to push the body too far. As I said, uh, sometimes it's not the smartest thing. I should have regretted. I should have gone half an hour and said, man, I wonder if I could have pushed myself further. And my back's killing me. Um, when you're sitting there and you're thinking about a team, okay? There, no I in team. We always hear about that, right? There are one-on-one -on -one moments in these sports. Tom Brady's going to have one-on-one -on -one moments as a quarterback, right? I'm going to find a way to beat the defense. Coach is going to have one-on-one -on -one moments, like a Belichick, right? Find a way to stop you with my defense. Take away the thing that's most important to you, which is the Belichickian thing of, of all time, right? There are going to be moments also where greatness can be shown. Ray Allen's three in the corner. You know, I mentioned Grant Hill and Leitner locking up. I mentioned, you know, the, the play call to Burris in that, that game with the Giants, right? There's going to be the, the Rams for a Super Bowl and the play uh, defensively and the tackle when, was it, uh, what, Dyson with the Titans, right? This, this is going to be the moment of the play call, right? And then the decision with, with Marshawn Lynch or the decision of my boy Webb with a timeout or whatever. Like, good things that are good, the things that are bad, Right? But you cannot get anywhere in sports that is at a high level in a long season without chemistry. 
chemistry does not mean everybody is singing kumbaya and hanging out, eating s'mores, telling stories. Sometimes chemistry is having the right pieces. You can't have negativity that takes away where one player jumps in and, and is like, you know, throwing, you know, way too much garlic or salt into your pasta and then it's screwed. Can't have that. But you can't have everybody be so soft. You need somebody to use the noodles al dente, right? You need somebody who's in there tough to deal with. Golden State Warriors, great example of chemistry and understanding it in that room. They're vets. The guys that they add, the things they're able to do to kind of push to the next level, you need that. you got to have the guys. The guys at the end of your bench have to, in an NBA game or in the NFL who are always sitting there second string and just hanging out, when you get back in a tough drive where you just threw a pick, those guys got to be there to help you, but they also got to be there to lift you. They got to be there to, to help you laugh. They, they're there every day in practice pushing you. Now, I, I said for, you know, the years where I, I loved the run a few years ago that, like, um, that was made in the NBA, which was a surprise with what, okay, so with C, CP3 when he was there. And people were like, but, like, I love Shea Gilgis Alexander. Like, that dude was having to deal with Pat Bev and then Chris Paul. No wonder he got better, going back to the Devin Booker thing. But it's chemistry. It's pushing each other in practice. It's knowing what hot buttons you can get. It's all those things. <coughs> chemistry of a relationship, a radio show, a family, a house, a company. You cannot succeed in anything that is outside of the oriented nature of one person against one person or one person against themselves, anything else, you cannot see, succeed without chemistry. It's everything. It's bigger than everything on this list, your list, his list, her list, the list, listless, doesn't freaking matter. It is everything. The moments and the, and the legends, they separate for sure. Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player of all time. But there were times where he had to rely an all, a lot on Scottie Pippen. But there were also times where he had to know, if I, if I, could, if I go to you, Steve Kerr, Scottie Burrell, the, who he was always on, that one game in the playoffs, right? You're going to come through. I know I, can, I know I can get this out of you. When Durant and, and Draymond are playing the defense, they're playing everybody else going to go stand up and play better defense and buckle down and figure it out. That's how, you know, Bill Parcells watching him with the Giants. I mean, I thought he was going to kill Phil Sims half the time, right? I mean, my gosh. Like, but how did, after Sims, they're 7-0 or 11-0 or whatever it was, goes down, how'd they win with Hostetler outside of, like, you know, a bad kick from Norwood and a lot of O.J. Anderson? But you got to have the chemistry where it's like those guys working together, pushing each other, they know next, next man up is just a thing you say. If it doesn't work, you know, next man, next woman up, depending upon the sprite, it's the thing you say, but it doesn't work without chemistry. You can't get through a postseason in any of these sports without chemistry because in that low moment, you got to figure it out. Now, you know, we find out a lot of times, right, like you know, Hunter Pence, uh, I think about in the dugout, and you got uh, Hayward during the rain delay and like some of these other like you know, these speeches. But you got to have the guys who lead by example. you got to have the guys who, when they open their mouth, everybody respects you got you got to have all that. You know, Derek Jeter is Derek Jeter, but sorry, without the edge of Paul O'Neill and Jorge Posada, you're not getting any of that. You got to have the mix. It's chemistry, and you can't, like, make it. Now, look, 
I, I could say this from like a standpoint of being on sets and, and doing radio shows with hosts and working with tons of analysts and uh, God, I've been blessed. Sometimes you don't know like when it's going to happen or when not. Sometimes you're even surprised. Like I've worked with people I thought like who off the air I really got along with. And like on the air, it's just not there. It, you can't make it. It's just not there. And then there have been other times on a set where it's like, yeah, this is going to work. You just know. Like you just know. Like <laughs> I could tell you this. When I did my audition with Turner and Gary Sheffield and I, Sheff was still a good friend, but like he, he, was, he was there. Pedro was not there at the audition. But when I did the audition, like I knew right away, I was like, I can work with this dude. What the hell do I got in common with Gary Sheffield? And plus, I thought he was going to be like the biggest asshole I've ever met based on what I know. And like he's totally the opposite. He's a fantastic guy and one of my better friends. But like it's like, what the hell am I going to have in common with him? You would never know. You don't know. It's like people like love at first sight. That, that's, not, that's lust. That's not love. You can't love someone at first sight. Sorry, people. I hate to break the news to everybody, except if it's your own child. That's the only time. The only time love at first sight exists is the first time you see your own baby. You can't love someone. You could want them. You can't love them at first sight. Like, what What do you, unless, like, I was joking the other day, where their all strengths and weaknesses are up there? Like, I, like, I don't understand. You can't, and it's not real. It's, it's like 110%, like, dumb. You can't do that. Most people don't operate at 90 plus. Getting to 100 is crazy. That's maximizing everything you possibly could give. Everything. I haven't done that in my life unless there's moments where it calls for it. You think that you do, but you don't. The way you know that is because when you reach and you do more than you thought you were capable, you're like, holy shit, I didn't think I had this in me. And then there's that 100, not 110. They're not 110, except degrees down here in the heat right now. <laughs> but if you're sitting there and you're thinking that everything's about one player in any of these sports – or it, it's not. Now, look, in baseball, it's a one-on-one -on -one game, son, for sure. But it's the chemistry on the, on the mound at a visit where a, a pitching coach or a manager knows what he, he could trust the guy. Looking in the eyes like when a Sal Perez during those playoff runs does the Yadier Molina where he's like, I got my eyes on you like De Niro and an analyze this to a pitcher. That's all chemistry. It's all chemistry. Like everything's going everything's gonna to have to find its own synergy. You're going to have to battle that way. It's like I think a miracle, one of my favorite movies. You think about Herb Brooks in 1980. They weren't as good as the Russian team. But we're blowing whistles saying again 100,000 times. So Ruzioni realizes he's got USA, right? That's chemistry. Everything is about chemistry. Everything. You can't create it. You can't make it. And if you have it, you can't get rid of it either. That's why a lot of us are in therapy. Two parts. Top ten. <laughs> of uh by the way this i'm laughing because i looked up at the clock 120 100 100 now you know i've what i'm about to say will make more sense now one hour and 26 minutes so i just want one hour and 26 minutes straight without a break which i'm not asking you feel bad for me but you'll understand in a second i did two and a half hours today i did four hours a day for 13 years but i haven't done four hours in one day in a year not one time. I'm pooped. I'm like, whew. I'm like, where? This is like March Madness right now. Number 10, the NBA is your daddy. Number nine, Cowboy fans are the worst. Number eight, football's better on TV. Number seven, Stanley Cup playoffs, better than March Madness. Number six, hype kills. 
Number five, Baseball Hall of Fame gets it wrong. And they, they do. Number four, fans, you've gone soft and entitled. Number three, says in Small Wonder and Johnny Five, just a number. Number two, prospects are cool, parades are cooler. Number one, chemistry is everything. I'm going to grab the Bunsen burner. That's what I think about when I think about chemistry. And if I can, I, like, I have like bent down, like literally, I'm like hunched over. This is like, this is terrible. It's, <laughs> it's not fun. Um, I'm going to do that top 10 with the appointment view. We've got some fun guests coming. Uh, I'm going to give you a few days to recover from all of these different podcasts. Hope you enjoyed in the recent trip, Dusty Baker and Todd Frazier. And the timing is everything pod. If you haven't heard that, you should get on that. It's fun. These two parts enjoyed as well. Hope you did. Please hit me up on Twitter at Casey Stern. I'm humbled anytime anybody says they enjoy anything I do. We need to have chemistry, you and I as well. And I'm sorry for those of you on video who have stared at a microwave for the last several minutes. Much love to all of you. Um, go and find uh, your love at first sight. Let me know how that goes. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.